Hello and welcome to episode 196 of the Punter Podcast. I'm Chris Barnett. It's the Grand National on Saturday with last year's winner Noble Yates lining up against 39 competitors in the world's most famous horse race. We speak to retiring giant of the weighing room Davy Russell who rides Galvin in the big race plus GB Racing invited both Sam Thomas and Tim Vaughan to their recent media day and we hear from both trainers on today's episode. City AM Racing Editor Bill Esdale previews the best of Aintree's action on Saturday with Wally Pyre looking ahead to Saturday's meeting in Hong Kong. Well Bill, it's a big, big race, not only here in the UK, but of course it's broadcast around the world. Everyone knows about the Grand National but just how important is it to the UK racing industry that all goes well and, you know, it's seen in a positive light for us? Yeah, it's huge because, you know, I'm, I'm a racing enthusiast, you're a racing enthusiast. If you look where, where that fire was kindled, it's going to be the Grand National. Most people's memories of the sport that we love is from Grand Nationals of the, of the past. And it's mm. it's the day that the British public kind of gather around the TV and watch 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 the world's most famous horse race. And there'll be a younger generation who will be the racing fans of the future that will be having their first kind of bet. And it sounds awful, but it's, a, a, you know, it's the first kind of dabble into horse racing, dabbling into the sport. And, you know, their first glimpse of the the buzz and the thrill of horse racing. And, and, and it's it, it's the most important shot window display that we have. Is the security going to be very high on Saturday at Aintree due to the warnings that uh, you know, the, the protesters have said they're going to come and, and try and disrupt the national? It's going to be quite uh, a, a big security operation, I would have thought. Yeah, it will be. I mean, I, I'm here. On, we're recording this on the Friday, and security was tight here today. You know, going through the press entrance, you have to um, have your badge checked, and then you get a special kind of seal label on your bag and you can't leave it unattended just that you just feel the, the security presence is ramped up a bit and um yeah that, that there is a, a threat from from the antis um but everyone's got a right to protest peacefully um, but that being the key thing you know when they talk about disrupting the race um it would be terrible to try and disrupt it during it because that adds more risk to kind of the, the lives of animals and humans riding them you know so um, look, they can just they can protest as they said outside the race course, but I think if they do anything inside it, it's simple. Now there was talk earlier on in the week about them having to water. They hadn't had a lot of rain. What's the weather been like, sort of the Thursday into Friday, and will they need to water for the national and the other races on Saturday? Yeah, well, well the rain came um, the beginning of the week, and then it didn't materialise on Thursday. It was a very windy, dry day on Thursday. They put five meals on both courses. Um, all three courses on um, on Thursday night into Friday, and yeah, we're, we're recording this in the morning on Friday. There's rain falling. There's rain scheduled. Um, you know they want to maintain good to soft or worse, as in softer, for safety reasons. And you know if the rain doesn't materialise, they'll end up putting another five mils on tonight. If it does materialise in the same kind of volume, then they won't need to. It'll be natural watering, but. Yeah, I think they're, they're very keen to produce good to soft ground on the big day itself. Well, we'll look at all the races, of course, with you uh, on Saturday, Bill, at Aintree. But we're going to start off with the Randox Grand National at 
is when it gets underway. Four miles, two and a half furlongs. And we've got some really nice interviews to play out, to have a listen to and get to some thoughts. You caught up with Davey Russell on Thursday at the track. He rides Galvin for Gordon Elliott and Ronnie Bartlett colours in the Grand National itself. Here's Bill having a chat with Davey Russell. I'm joined by Davey Russell, who rides Galvin in the big one. Looking forward to that, Davey? Uh, yeah, sure. It's nice to be lining up on a horse like him. And I, I think I, you'd hope that the experience of the cross-country will stand to him, you know? Yeah, he ran really well. And Gordon said that, you know, he wasn't battle-hard on that day. So there's going to be some improvement from Cheltenham. Yeah, Gordon keeps saying that he has him in. The, it's the best he's ever had him in two years so, since Leprosound. So, you know, that's, that's pleasing to hear, you know? And we were recording this on Thursday. The ground isn't terrible. It's all right. It's better than people thought. Oh, no, it's lovely ground. It's actually gorgeous. It could have done, it done with the drop. The drop rain just made it perfect, you know. And obviously looking at the others, Delta Works probably the big danger on form. Yeah, he looks that like I, I, I couldn't beat him off levels in, 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 in Cheltenham, so I have to give him seven pounds here. So he looks very well in and Corrie Grambler and all them horses along the way, you know. You're worth more than the seven pounds, Davey, though. I don't know. Huh? We'll, uh, we'll give it a go on. OK, jockey Davey Russell, his final Grand National bill, you caught up with him. He seems in good form. He seems, you know, very positive with everything. Let's have a chat about Galvin and also Delta Work, those two that he's, he knows very well. Galvin's going to be, what, about 20 to 1, but have a chance having finished behind Delta Work in the, the cross-country. And, of course, those are different fences, to the national, but they're in that kind of league, aren't they? They they're different fences to what they're normally jumping over the chase fences. Will that give these guys a help? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, Gordon Elliott, the trainer of both those horses, has used cross country chases at Cheltenham as a stepping stone for this before. Obviously, famously with Tiger Roll um, and Silver Birch, so three winners of this race in essence with Tiger winning it twice. So we know it's a well trodden path. Um, you know the the cross-country chase is as close to the Grand National as you can get. They actually jump, jump an entry fence there as well. Yeah. Um, so it gives the horses um, who were top-class Central Gold Cup-style horses in their day, it gives them a new lease of life, um, rekindles the enthusiastic fire in their kind of teen years. I mean, Delta Work is 10, uh, Galvin's 9, but as they get a bit older, it kind of rekindles something. And those two horses, like you said, they ran brilliantly at Cheltenham. Delta Work came out the better of the two. Um, that was off level weights. This time round, um, it's a slightly harder for um, Galvin on these revised terms because he's got seven pounds um, more weight than um, than Delta Work. So he's not only got to turn over a bit of a deficit, but he's, he's got seven pounds more in the saddle. But look, Galvin has got a lot of back classes. Hasn't been far in the Gold Cup last year. Uh, things haven't gone according to plan this season, um, but ran really well at Cheltenham. Just got knuckled out by probably a, a, a more race fit Delta work. Um, and like I said, when I was joking with Davy that you know the seven pounds is a pain, but it makes it um, it makes it you know Davy's worth every, every bit of that. And yeah. Gordon Elliott himself came out and, and, and said that Galvin wasn't totally race fit. Well, as tight and race fit as, as um, Delta Work was uh, at Cheltenham, and, and he's entitled to step forward from that. Um, whether he can be Delta Work um, remains to be seen. I think he's a, a serious contender here. Um, I think the key to Delta Work is he ran a 
cracker last season in the race. He was third to Noble Yates. But if you watch a replay of that race, he didn't jump any of the first three fences and was a long way back and had quite a lot of running to do to get back into the race. Now, he carried 11 stone nine um, that time around. He's carrying 11 stone four. He's only one pound lower in the handicap. He's actually got five pounds left in the saddle, so his job becomes slightly easier just because of the framing of the shape of the race. Um, so he's got less weight to lug around. Uh, got experience of the course. Uh, hopefully he'll enjoy it more. And Yeah, he'd be the one of the, of the um, coordinator team for me. We're going to talk now with Sam Thomas, who's having a great season, and he's got our power running. He's going to be around about 22, 25 to 1, maybe shorter on the day. This horse is quite like the race this year. He's only had one run in February when winning at Kempton, won the, the Cold Trophy there at Kempton over three miles. And uh, GBR, Great British Racing, they invited a couple of trainers for a media day. Sam Thomas, we will hear from shortly, and Tim Vaughan, who we'll hear from just a little bit later on as well. But here's Sam Thomas talking about our power and the fact that he's going to be jumping the Grand National Fences for the first time. We were umming and ahhing actually whether we would actually go and school him because Touchwood, he's, he's a good, uh, efficient jumper. But we actually took him to Lambourne there. They've got two two ready-made fences. Um, and also, it's just a nice away day for, for himself and our dancer. So they both jumped brilliantly, uh, had a great, great uh, day out and had a good sweat on the horse box and just a good experience all around. So, um, yeah, really happy with how that went. It's a very much an unknown. And as we all know, unfortunately, fortunately, they go uh, a terrible speed down to the first few and you're in the lap of the gods, really. You need to need to just have a lot of luck, meet the first on a nice stride and just keep those four feet on the ground. He's certainly got a progressive profile, I'd say. Um, you know, we, we, we were sort of, uh, we hit the mark first time out this season and uh, had the plans to go and run in the, in the uh, Ladbrook Trophy even. Uh, but we picked a little niggle up then. So we had to basically start from scratch. And um, the reason he had all that time off was, was for that reason. So uh, he did very well to win last time. I'm mean, sort of treating that as it's sort of nearly like his first run for the season, if you like, because we did have to start from scratch in terms of fitness with him. So hopefully there could be a little bit more to come. So, um, yeah, look, we're, we're, like I say, we're, we're going into the race with a, with a nice, fresh horse. Um, but there are just so many unknowns, as we all know, with the race. Chatting to Sammy about it, really, you know, in terms of plans, there's no real instructions I can give Sam, to be honest, other than just sort of try and find a little pocket of space where you're comfortable um, instructions slightly go out the window for the Grand National. I think if you can just uh, stay on stay on board for a circuit, uh, let the race settle down, that's when you can probably start thinking about tactics, I think. So that's Sam Thomas, our power. We've got Sam Twist and Davis on board in the Walters plant hire, Potter Group Colours, Die Walters Colours, who is still recovering from that helicopter crash. And that would be a big story for the National if he was able to win. He's been a big, big supporter of jumps racing over the years. Bill, the chances of, of our power, I know you like Sam Thomas as a trainer, and uh, he seems to be getting the right horses in the right races, but you don't know where the national fences, do you? Yeah, you don't know. That's the big unknown, and the trip's a big unknown. I mean, it's, it's a mile further than he's ever been before. Further than that, actually, a mile and a bit further. Um, it was three bang three miles at, at Kempton. He saw that out well, but you're... Four miles, two and a half furlongs here over fences. He's never jumped. But the plus is he's, he's a progressive horse. He's young. He's getting better with each run. Um, probably still ahead of his mark off one, three, five, one, four, four, three. He's got a lovely racing weight, just 10 stone two. Those are all the boxes ticked, but it's the Grand National Fences. 
it's an extra mile that he's he, he fits the right profile if he stays the trip he's right in this um you know connections don't want too much more rain to fall i think they're, they're very keen on decent ground and uh, the owners have jokingly put out a tweet on friday morning asking for entry not to water overnight leave it as it is um so that they're, they're very keen on good ground but he's he's a player it's just a stamina thing for me um that's the big question mark but there aren't many horses with his upward mobile kind of profile and that puts him right in it okay and let's have a word from tim vaughan then another was trainer and uh, he's got a bigger price horse it's going to be around about 50s or maybe even bigger uh, eva's oscar it's horse number 34 getting into the 40 runner grand national this year alan johns is going to be in the saddle this horse no problem with the distance, finished fourth in the Ida up at Newcastle and not t- too long ago, the 25th of February. So the trip's not a problem, but it's Eva's Oscar rated 143. Good enough. Here's Tim Vaughan talking about the son of Scirocco. He's in great shape. We're um, sort of ahead of the curve with him, really. So, we, you know, we've, we've got a bit of time to back off him. But last week, we took him up to Lambourne for a sighter over the national fences. At this moment in time, he's in great shape, and you know I just can't wait for the day to arrive. Really, let let's be blunt. If if you look at form, that probably reflects his chances as it stands. What I would say is, you know, if we if if we were a sort of Paul Nichols, Nicky Henderson type operator, then then we'd obviously be a far shorter price than than sixty six to one. So it probably doesn't quite reflect it, it as it as it should. Um, but from my perspective, you know, he he seems in great form. He's had a good year. Um, he's going forward still in in himself. He's bred to get the trip. Um, he's proven um, under top weight in the Ida. He's obviously got a far lower weight this time. I'm expecting him to run up, you know, with a clean run round, a big race. And if he could finish in the first eight to ten, I'd be thrilled. From our perspective, the horse is in great shape. He handles good ground. He's won on it this year. He's won on heavy ground, so the ground isn't too much of a concern. It's just whether he's got a class. Uh, race has changed over recent years, and you're having, uh, you know, your Gold Cup contenders these days rather than, you know, running in like the likes of Noble Yates. You know, you've got a far classier horse in it now. But, of course, you know, we are waiting to give ourselves a chance and hopefully he'll run a big race for us. Look, all I can do is prepare him as best I can and uh, and see how we get on. I've been fortunate enough to be involved, you know, with the big days and a couple of grade one winners. We won a Scottish national and things. So I know the feeling of winning those big races. But, you know, in truth, it's become harder and harder to win uh, those sorts of races because our availability of, of, of animals for the sort of budget that I've got to spend, uh, it, it's, it's just so hard to find these sort of animals. So... You know, to have a runner in it, 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 it's fantastic from our point of view. I'm excited for the owners. They're lovely people who've been with me for years. And for the team around me now, you know, we, we work hard, as everyone does in the racing industry. I'm not pretending they don't. But for us personally, you know, we haven't got so many runners these days. Uh, it's lovely to have a runner in a race of this magnitude. Um, and, and the plan is, uh, my, my main girl in the yard, Lucinda, said, look, wouldn't it be lovely if we could all go? And I thought, what a cracking idea. So we've organized a minibus. Uh, we're going to ride them, you know, get in early on the Saturday morning, get them all mucked out, ride them out and set off probably about 8, 8.30 in the morning to be up there. They can have a, a full day to enjoy the races and the build-up uh, with us all. And we've got some, um, some friends who are going to do evening stables for us to cover that off. Uh, and give everyone a lovely day out and just take in the atmosphere and, and the fun of it all, really. And, you know, why not? They deserve it. They work hard and it'll be great for everyone. OK, there's Tim Vaughan talking about Eva's Oscar. 
And and the great story there, of course, that the closing the stables down pretty much for the day and taking all the staff with them in the minibus up to Aintree to celebrate the fact they've got a runner in the national. But Eva's Oscar could be pretty much up against it. Not a problem with the trip, as I said earlier on, and as Tim said in the interview as well. But uh, you know, is he good enough to win a grand national? Yeah, I mean, Eva's Oscar is. You know, he's he's a, a, a proper Saturday horse. He's going to give his owners and connections a real buzz by being a runner in the Grand National. Um, he ran well and fourth in the Ida, like you said. The concern is is that the petrol gauge seems to be on zero late on over four miles one, and it's and this race is even further in trip. Um, they put a visor on for the first time. That may just help him get home. Um, Tim Vaughan's a terrific guy. Uh, Great trainer. Um, I hope they all have a fantastic day. Um, look, it's great for yards like Tim to have a runner in the, in the national and his, his kind of enthusiastic front running, um, lovely horse who, who should give his running. Is he, is he quite good enough to win a Grand National? I'd be surprised if he was. Um, but I'd, um, I'd love it if he were to win because it would be great for the team. But he's, he's up against it a bit at this level. Yeah, it could be a great day, and I think they'd be happy if the horse just came home in the first five or six and gave them a fun day out and, and just put their name up there, really, and get some more horses in the yard, perhaps. That's part of it as well. So good luck to all of those, to, to Sam and to, to Tim, and, of course, to Davey, and thanks for joining us on the podcast today. So, Bill, 40 runners of the rest. We've got the likes of Korak Rambler, who won the Ultima for Lucinda Russell, who was unlucky on, on Thursday with a couple of horses that looked like they were going to win and just got chinned. Delta Works going to be very popular in the betting. Last year's winner, Noble Yates, is back again. We spoke to Robert Whaley Cohen ahead of Cheltenham, and he was staying on in that gold cup behind Gallopin de Chat. Another couple of furlongs, and he would have been right up there with him. But it's a different kind of race, isn't it? The Irish have got eight now, this shame, Henry de Bromhead and Galliard do. Menil for Willie Mullins coming over. Dan Skelton thinks Lemilos is good enough to win the national. Uh, and the, there's others. I know you like Martin Brazil. He's got Longhouse Poet in the race as well. Any second now for Ted Walsh, who thinks he's handicapped not to win, having run been runner-up last year. How do you see the, the race and what are your selections in total? Yeah, I mean, you've, you, you've touched through a few leading contenders and, and yeah, the, the, the great thing about the Grand Nationals is that everyone will have one they fancy and uh, any of them can win. They really can. It's that kind of race. And, you know, Torek Ramblers deserves to be favourite on the back of his, his Cheltenham win. His running style makes it tough because he'll have to weave his way from, from a long way back, but the connections have done it before. Uh, nobody Yates last year's win it. It's, it's tough for a higher mark, but great trial in the Gold Cup. Really good fourth, and, and the trip's perfect for him. He's had a busy season, but you know it's hard to rule him out. Mr. Incredible's a bit of a monkey from Ireland, but this place is, might just light up the best of him. Um, he's, a, he's a funny fish. He's plenty short enough. Ain't that a shame? It's like the clever one. It's the one that shortened up in recent weeks um, for the, the Bromhead. Rachel Blackmore team, teamed up with a winner for, on the first day of the meeting. Um, this is a horse that's fascinating. If he stays, he's the leading leading contender. Galliard de Manil won the four-miler at the festival. Uh, has that touch of class as whether he sees out an extra half a mile or so. There's no reason to think he won't. And the stable won the Irish National last week. Uh, so look, he's he's a player too. 
Um, Longhouse Poet ran well in the race last year. He prepped for this any second now, was second last year. He's, he's off top weight. Lamilos is the cold trophy winner. There's a million runners here. Capodano, Vanillier is a horse I like a lot. There's loads. But, you know, to be honest, when I've come down on his Delta work, I think um, he has so much in his favour, Delta work. Uh, ran another cracking race at, at um, Cheltenham this year. Unlucky in the race last year when there had too much to do when he finished third. I think at nine to one with William Hill, I think he's a rock solid selection. I think he's going to be very hard to beat. Um, you know, those of a bigger price, I can see Longhouse Poet. I did a one, two, three, four in the paper. Um, I went Delta work one. I can see Longhouse Poet hitting the frame. I can see Vanillier hitting the frame and I could see, you know, the likes of Galvin potentially hitting the, the frame. But if I had to go for one, it would, it would definitely be Delta work. And I'd probably go for the each race selection Longhouse Poet. The race is just so open, isn't it, this year? I mean, and I know it normally is quite open, but since the you know the private handicapping system came in from the BHA on it, it just makes it really, really tough. There's so many with chances, and, and it's going to be a terrific race to watch, isn't it? Yeah, it'll be a great race to watch. And, and the thing about the National is, is um, you need luck, and luck is a key player in this. You can have the best horse in the race. You can get one wrong or one fall down in front of you. And that's the thing. It's 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 not a race to have a strong view on. Yeah. It's a race to have a fun bet on. Maybe pick two, three, four horses that you'd like. You know, people like like sometimes going for massive price ones. And the thing about this year's race is there's generally horses at huge prices that that could go well. I'm looking down the list here, and you know, Fury Road's got back class. You know, he might not stay, but sixty six to one with Coral six places is a really enticing kind of massive price for people. Deal Kerr, 100 to 1. He, he's got some back class. Frankie de Burle, 100 to 1. You can make cases out for all of these, but, you know, all things being equal with a smooth round, I generally think that Delta Work can win this year's Grand National. Okay, great stuff. We look forward to it. 5.15 Saturday afternoon, the country stops for the Grand National, and let's hope it's a cracking race that we expect. So let's look at the... Uh, Rest of the entry card then on Saturday, starting with the 145, two mile on the mile made course. It's the Michael Novice Chase, a grade one. Um, John Bond's going to be a hot odds on favourite for this one for Nicky Henderson, having finished second at Cheltenham in the Arkle behind El Fabiolo, one at uh, Warwick in that Kingmaker. That's that two runner race that was really weird with Calico, who's also back in this one. Not long to a May runner, blinder. To finish second to stage star in the Turners for Lucy Morgan at uh, Cheltenham, but stage star didn't do the form any favours on Thursday. Calico is back again, having frightened John Bon a little bit at Warwick, is uh, also in this race. But uh, is this we're looking to ex- expect to see the, the real John Bon show up again as he did at Cheltenham, just not good enough on the day to beat El Fabiola, who is a lovely horse in itself. Yeah, I mean it's it's. Uh, only the five runners now that Banbridge has come out. It's going to be a big surprise if Jean Bon doesn't win here. We just found out, just bumped into a good horse in El Fabiolo in the Arcor last time. Uh, I probably would have preferred Jean Bon to run over two and a half miles rather than a two. Um, you know, I think he's vulnerable at this trick on a, a trip on a, on a on a flat track like like Aintree. But realistically, what what's in here that can beat him? Not long till May, like you said, we ran a cracker last time over two and a half, but yeah. I'm not sure. That horse is crying out to be dropped in trip to two miles. And then you've got horses like Marvel to Cerisi, who was well, well put in his, plate, his place in the plate last time. And Calico, who's 
you know, who's his, his ruffled John Bon up in the past, but ultimately John Bon's class came through. Look, I think this will be a, a, a relatively straightforward assignment for John Bon, um, with not long till May chasing him home. 2.25, we go three miles and a half a furlong. And this is a handicap hurdle race coming up. 22 maximum field. Good time Johnny comes over from Ireland from Tony Martin, having won at uh, Cheltenham. He won the Potemps, won by three and a quarter lengths. They won really pretty comfortably for a, a fascinating race and very open race that the Potemps normally is. Good time Johnny will be popular. West Balboa has not run since January, so Miss Cheltenham and comes here in a more fresher uh, feel. And Talur is in the race as well, was behind Good Time Johnny at Cheltenham. Mill Green and Outlaw Peter are also in this one too. So is Earn River, who's got the wind up and he's back here for the second time since then. We've got the classic top of the market here, haven't we? Cheltenham horse, non-Cheltenham horse. Does the fresher beat the more experienced one here? Yeah, potentially. I mean, Good Time Johnny was a good good winner of the Pertemps. Um, and you know, you say West, West Balboa comes in here fresher the pair. Um, look, this is a wide open competitive three mile handicap hurdle around Aintree, and anything can win. You've got party business, obviously, one last year won't be far away. I like a couple of decent uh, prices. I, I think Antelo, you mentioned of John Joe O'Neill. Um, this is a horse who was very unlucky last time in at, at Cheltenham, but door slammed the better ground or suit doesn't want softish ground and the better ground here at Aintree. She will suit, and the flat track will probably suit a little bit better. I guess the Antelure running really well at eight to one. Um, we'll need a bit of luck, need the gaps to open, but I think it's a winner waiting to happen off his current mark, Antelure. And the other one is Mill Green, who I selected at the yes. Cheltenham ran a cracker three third there. And here we are back at Aintree, pound higher than Cheltenham, but a pound lower than when placed in the race last year. And uh, kind of 17 to 2, maybe 10 to 1 nearer the time. I think Milgreen's just booked to run another cracker. I think the return to a flatter track will help and to maybe ridden with a bit more restraint uh, this time round. But those are the two for me, Antelure and Milgreen. I'll back the pair of them in this. Two miles, four furlongs for the uh, Mersey Novices Hurdler, Grade 1, at 3 o'clock on Saturday at Aintree with 15. Hopefully going to go to post on this one. And at the top of the market, we've got a couple... They were disappointed recently, a little bit, you'd have to say. Hermes Allen, who was uh, well-fancied, actually went off his favourite for the Ballymore in the end at Cheltenham, beaten 21 lengths and never really looked like he had the chance of winning on the day. And Dark Raven comes over from Ireland for Willie Mullins, who was sixth at Cheltenham um, in the Supreme behind Marine Nationale, is also in this race. Now, you wear it well, was a Cheltenham winner. On the Jack de Bromhead Mayor's Novices for Jamie Snowden on a great day for him and the owners and the, the jockeys or Gavin Sheehan. And you wear it well, he's back again. Irish Point comes over from Gordon Elliott with Davey trying to get his grade one winner. Springwall Bay for John Joe O'Neill is in there as well. And Crambo also in there for Fergal O'Brien uh, in the Sullivan Bloodstock and Chris Giles colours who um, went and won at Sandown on heavy going that looked to, needed to battle for that, but did battle and won by half a land. That's the kind of quality you probably need in a race like this. This looks a quite a, a tricky one. How did you see it? Yeah, it is definitely tricky. I mean, Hermes Allen is his favourite. 
on the back of it. It was disappointing at Cheltenham. There's no, no getting away from that. Um, he can do with a bit more rain. I think he's very effective on soft and heavy ground. I'm not sure he's going to get his conditions. Um, he's got a lot of class. Whether it's whether you want to take seven to two about a horse um, who isn't going to get the heavy conditions he wants. Dark Raven will be next in the market. Classy also Willie Mullins last seen sixth in the Supreme. Um, whether he's crying out for the step up in trip, you know, it's very hard to question what the stable do. He's very, very good. Um, I prefer him at the front two, but again, he's a pretty short price. You wear it well. I was a huge fan of this horse at Cheltenham, and here she is stepping up in trip and, and class against the boys that she's classy. But again, I think she's very effective when the mud flies and life is just a bit tougher here. And then you've got Davey on Irish Point, uh, who is a horse that missed Cheltenham, but is very class, classy. And look, they're, they're all kind of sub six to one, the, the top lot in the market. You can make cases out for all, but I think this race could easily be prime for a bit of an upset. And I was going to play two at much bigger prices because I don't think there's an almost much between them all. Um, I was very taken with the way Springwell Bay has performed so far yeah. this season. Uh, one is last two for John Joe O'Neill. I'm hoping John Joe has a good day on Saturday. Um, but it was very impressive winner at Ascot, first time back in February. And then followed that with a good tidy win at Weatherby. Looks on the fast upgrade, but doing it all very easily. Uh, expensive purchase who just hasn't stopped improving and 10 to 1 each way just looks too big a price. And the other one is Dan Skelton's uh, mare, Katira. She's won all three starts at, at, at a lower level. Couldn't have been any more impressive on both the last two occasions, one by daylight at Huntington Market Race. And she gets a £7 allowance along with you wear it well. And she's kind of 16, 14 to 1. Just feels too big. I'd rather back those two. Springwell Bay at 10 to Katira. 16s and hoping one of them might be able to hit the frame or better. It's a tough race, lots of chances in that one. It's the uh, Liverpool hurdle, a grade one at 3.35 with the 10 runners, Maurice Rock, who was disappointing, you'd have to say, behind Honeysuckle at Cheltenham. She was um, well fancied, she was joint favourite in that race at Windle Mare's hurdle, but didn't quite happen for her on the day, beating 15 lengths and the uh, she steps up in trip here, as Midland Park wanted her to do, possibly at Cheltenham. Now they're stepping her up at Aintree instead. Florian Porter comes over here for Gavin Cromwell's yarn. Side to Belay, roll back the years. The 11-year-old surprisingly won the Stayers hurdle at Cheltenham at 33-1. to 1. Home by the Lee from Joseph O'Brien's stable is in there as well. So too is Champ, who we haven't seen since December. Had a long break, 110 days. Then we've got to Dashiell Drasher, who was second to side to Belay at Cheltenham, of course, in the Stayers. Then was demoted to third. They appealed back to second for Jeremy Scott. Drasher Dasher never runs a bad race and really puts it up to him and probably will be the, the front runner here as well. Mon Miral also in there and brewing up a storm. Uh, Proshima, to name a few others. Uh, another tricky-looking contest. Is it about Marie's Rock staying the trip here? Yeah, I mean, this is another wide-open contest. It's a, it's a bit like the race we just previewed over two and a half of novices, the hurdle. You can make a case out for the top five. Um, Marie's Rock was disappointing at Cheltenham. There's no getting away from that. Um, she's shown enough on background in the past to be a better player than she was uh, in, in in that race behind Honeysuckle. Um 
three miles is probably the, 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 on a flat track is probably the right thing for them to try now. Um, but she's favourite. She'll run well, I would have thought. She should take a big step forward from what she showed at Cheltenham. Um, Epitant disappointed in that same race at, at, at Cheltenham, the mayor's hurdle, with Maurice Rock. They're both out the back. And she didn't really advertise her well-being uh, on Thursday. And, you know, it'd be a bit windy of taking too short a price. Maurice Rock, she could easily bounce back. But at, the, at the, her current price, in a short 7-2, to two, I'd be prepared to let her run. Um, I think of the leading contenders, I think Florian Porto will take a step forward. It was obviously a race against time to get him ready for Cheltenham. Was beaten in this race last year uh, when second to Sada Berle. Um, he's another one in that kind of four, five to one bracket. Um, Sada Berle will run well. Florian Porto will run well. You've got Home by the Lee, who's fifth at Cheltenham, and Dashiell Drasher. All, all of them are much of a muchness. Um, look, it's, it's probably most sensibly a watching race <clears throat> and I'm just going to play very small each way on a slightly unknown horse, number six, meet and greet. Um, now this is a horse who um, comes in here slightly under the radar, meet and greet, trained by Oliver McKinnon, who's had winners of this meeting, big prices in the past. Now meet and greet um, has been yo-yoing in trip Um you know, at Christmas time was third to home by the Leo of this three-mile trip with massive price. Um, that was a really good run. And two miles was always going to be too short at Nays behind Echoes and Rain. But then caught the eye at Navin back in February behind Blazing Carl, second in that race. Um, I just think Meeting Greek comes in here fresh. This has probably been the plan for a long time. Um, it's a double-figure price. It's going to be 10, 12, 14 to 1. I'd imagine he'll be weak in the market just because of where he stands. But he's... Um, He's got a fair bit of class, meet and greet, and I just think can hit the frame or better at a big price and mix it with these guns. Whether he's quite got the class to, to beat some of these if, if they bring their A game, I don't know. You know, if a side of Burley or Maurice Rock turned up here or Florian Porter turned up in top form, it's probably a bit too much for meet and greet to bite off and chew. But I think a, a decent double-figure price, I don't think he's that far off from. And um, I'm going to play meet and greet each way for a bit of a shot. The race before the Grand National on Saturday is at 4.15 at Aintree. It's three miles and one furlong. On the Malmey course, it's the Handicap Chase with 15 runners going to post and some nervous jockeys won't be wanting to fall off in this race. We've got Nassalam pretty much uh, right up there at the top of the market for Gary Moore, whose stable continues to be in fantastic form. When they don't win, they get beaten by short distances. They're really running out of the skin at the moment. Jamie Moore is on board, the horse that ran behind Corrick Rambler in the Ultima, but beaten 34 lengths and another one that's really got to put that race behind him. Midnight River is in there for Dan Skelton. Shake him up, Harry, for the very much informed Ben Pauling. I think he's, he's gone over 80 winners for the season. It's owned by Harry Redknapp, so the ITV cameras will be all over Harry. And we'll be hearing about Shake Him Up Harry a million times on Saturday afternoon on the TV. Finishing third, a good third in the uh, Magnus Plate at the festival behind Seddon, beaten just uh, over five lengths. Beauport goes for Nigel Twist and Davis, who doesn't have many runners at uh, the Aintree Festival this year, as, as far as I can see and remember. Eldorado Allen is in there for Joe Tizard and Coconut Splash for Evan Williams in the uh, rocker colours who always seem to uh, find a winner or two. And Carl Phillips in there 
and a bigger prize for Fergal O'Brien. Why would Nassalam be favourite on, on the basis of not winning since February of last year when he won at Fontwell? That's a totally different track and a different race altogether than he's going to be racing on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I mean, Nassalam is a horse that was well touted for um, for the race, but uh, Cheltenham, the ultimate behind Corrick Ramber, never really got into a rhythm there, but he's always a horse you felt was well handicapped off a mark of the low 140s. So Gary Moore did a cut in the ground or suit. Um, he's just going to be a bit skinny where he goes. He's, he's one of these horses that is always well found in the market now, and you can swear. The same for Midnight River. Never really showed up at Cheltenham, and again, arrives here shorter than he should be really on the market. And those are the kind of horses that you want to take on in this race. Um, you can get some funny results in this. And, you know, that those two are taking a, you know, they're kind of, as short as five and 11 or two at the head of the market. Um, uh, Beauport's another horse that has, has plenty of fans and shake him up. Harry is stepping up into it massively. That was good third at Cheltenham, but this requires more over, over three miles around here. So, um, the market is, is shaped to take some of these on. It's just who you take them on with. I mean, my eyes keep coming back to Eldorado Allen at the top. He's 10 to one and just has that back show of class that, that some of the, these don't have that he's got enormous weight he's got 12 stone but you know they've set Eldorado Allen some real tough tasks he was 7th in the Gold Cup last time um, that was a hell of a run he was deep away but how many of these could finish 7th in the Gold Cup um, he, he put a disappointing run at Newby behind him but had previously run in a King George at Chase Protector at home in a Betfair Chase and Great man's game home in uh, Weatherby on his reappearance. I mean, he's danced every dance at the top level. And here we are, dropping into the 150s, running in a handicap on Grand National Day, 10 to 1. That will do for me. Um, he'll be ridden positively in the front by Brendan Powell, getting to a rhythm. And it's just whether something's got the class to, to go with him. But I doubt it. I think he's a great bet each way at 10 to 1. And I, I think he's the one to be with. So the big race, the Grand National, coming up on Saturday, of course, and also on Saturday this week, and not Sunday, so make sure you get up a day earlier from 6 o'clock UK time in the morning before Aintree, before the Grand National. It is Hong Kong and Sha Tin race this weekend, a day earlier. Wally Pyra joins us, as always, to talk us through the best of the card and... Um, well, it's a day early, so we can either be very rich or very poor before we get to Liverpool. Uh, good morning, Chris. Yes, you're, you're correct. It's always a worry, this is. <laughs> when you get, especially for uh, personally, from a personal point, to get charting races going, get up early in the morning, mm. fancy a few, see them disappear into the gloom somewhere, um, and you finish the meeting on a down, and then you think, oh, dear, here we go. Now I've got entry to sort out. So hopefully, hopefully, may be able to point uh, our listeners in, point them in the right direction of one or two horses that may go well, certainly go well and run well at uh, Chartin. It's a, a six o'clock start. There's 10 races. Um, it's, it's on paper, it looks a pretty average card, but there is a, a very good class two handicap run at 10-10, which I'll talk about shortly. But um, looking down at the card, of course, our man, the perennial 
with a perennial jockey, Sack Purton. Again, he's got 10 mounts. He had a bit of a setback on, on the midweek meeting at uh, Happy Valley. He didn't have any winners, um, but he could get himself back on track here. He's got 10 rides um, at the uh, Shartin. He did have four winners last uh, Sunday. Um, same as Hugh Bowman did. He had four winners. He wasn't hard. It was good for the punters last week. Uh, I was looking down the eight favourites and two second favourites, one out of the 11 races. And even the last one, despite despite starting in Hong Kong around about 11 to 1, was still a fancied horse. So punters, betters and the racing enthusiasts, the local boys must have left Shartin full of the joys of spring. But it wasn't, wasn't that easy at Happy Valley. But they'll certainly be going in again um, tomorrow. Looking down at Purton's Mounts, I was looking down. These are the ones that probably will be fancied. There's a horse called Golden Express in the 7.30, a six furlong handicap. It's got a big weight and he's a pretty small horse, but his form is far superior than his rivals. Don't expect a big price, but it'll be hard for him to get beat on. Um, Purton has, takes over on a horse that I have liked, and I've mentioned it on the podcast on numerous times. I mean, the last couple of months, he finally gets on a horse called Hyper Dragon Ball, who I've put up as my uh, long shot on a couple of occasions. Well, you can guarantee will be no long shot this time. He's got the inside draw one. As I say, he's got Purton aboard. Everything is in place for him to be a big run. So keep an eye on him in the 9.35. And in the 10.45, the finale... Purton rides a horse for Richard Gibson called Happy Together. Um, it's a one-mile handicap. Purton rode it last time. He got himself into all sorts of trouble. It was backed off the boards as if defeat was it, wasn't in the question. It wouldn't be in the equation about him getting beat there. He got himself into all sorts of trouble, only finished fourth. Obviously, Purton has committed himself to ride it again so you would think that maybe compensation awaits. But if you look at the race card, he's drawn the outside draw of 14 next to the, I can't remember the name of the river, but he's drawn outside near the river on the track. However, I did look down and see that horses that are drawn from 14 have a 20% win strike rate in the last three seasons. So if you're fancy happy together to for compensation for what happened last time. Don't be put off by the draw because the draw has a pretty good win strike rate. So those are his three horses. And then, of course, he gets on this horse in the 10-10, the big race, a class two handicap. It's over six furlongs. There's a purse of £265,000. So you can see how good it looks. And Purton renews his association with Danny Shum's Victor the winner. Now, this horse is against some pretty good sprint handicappers in town, the likes of Nervous Witness, Trillion Win, um, I'm a Single Man. But Victor the winner is meant to be the, the up-and-coming star in Hong Kong. But this is the interesting thing. Seemingly, Danny Shump always thinks that this horse, Victor the winner, is best 
after long extended breaks, gives him a month, six weeks off. But Purton has, well, I say made, made Danny Shum, has said to Danny Shum, look, you've got to run him in this race. Um, the, he's told the owner as well. And of course, it's very difficult to say no to the one of the world's best jockeys. So this yeah. horse is running. Instead of this long extended break, he's running. So he's put, Purton's put his head a bit on the chopping block here. But you look at his form, he's... He's up forty-one pounds in the rating since September. He's won four of his six races. He looks very difficult to beat. But in opposition, there's another young up-and-coming horse from the John Size Yard, a horse called How Deep Is Your Love, that gets a, a few pound from Victor, the winner. He's a winner of three of his last five races. He's another one that's uh, spiralled up in the handicap. He's gone up thirty-two pounds since November, winning three out of his last five races. The only thing is, this is his first foray onto the Chartin turf. He normally runs at the old tight track at Happy Valley. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens against these two. It's very difficult um, to know um, which to select in it. Probably, you know that the punters will probably go with uh, Victor the winner. He'll probably be a short price favourite. Yeah. Um, but I would say to any of the listeners, if you see any money, if you see the odds shortening dramatically on how deep is your love in the final few minutes before the race, then that is telling you that the stable fancies how deep is your love. It always seems to happen with John size horses that when they shorten up just before the off, mm -hmm. they very rarely get beat. I have to say, though, looking at the race, a, a horse that I've always liked, I think it was improved, and I think he'll run well in this race, is a horse called Goko Win. He's an attractive lightweight. He's, he's improved enormously over the last couple of months. He did get beat by Victor, the winner, earlier in the season, but he's £12 better off for a five-length beating by that galloper. He's got a good, as I say, he's got a good draw, needs a strongly run race, and I could see this horse, and it's certain to be a fast-run race with the likes of Nervous Witness, Adios in the field, um, I just think that this horse has got a big each way shot and he should be a fairish price. So that's how I see it. Um, but it's a very interesting race to watch. Now, now listen, if, if how deep is your love goes and wins, are you going to come on next week and sing us a bit of a Bee Gees version of it? What? How deep is your love? It's, what's the, oh, yeah. yes, it was the Bee Gees, wasn't it's it? Yeah, Saturday well... Night Fever, of course. So I, I would imagine you'd be able to get the words and you can... Strum along to how deep is your love? Should what? How deep is your love? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the, anyway, <laughs> listen. I I bypass that comment. I bypass oh, it. And and, and uh, the river is the Xingmen River. That's it. The Xingmen River. That's it. Um, finally, before I, I I leave with this, keep an eye out. There's there's a couple of trainers that I've mentioned um, over the last few months who are languishing right at the bottom of the trainers championship table mm -hmm. they may just they may get a winner apiece um tomorrow 
Richard Gibson, who's not having a great time, but his horses look like they're coming back to form. He did have a winner at the Valley on Wednesday. And when I say coming back to the form, they're now probably on a handicap mark where they could win. Keep an eye out on Ernst Feeling in the opener at seven, um, in that seven furlong handicap at six o'clock. He also trains, as I said, the Purton Mount Happy Together in the finale. Mm. And even worse is poor Tony Millard. I mean, I can't, cannot believe how badly it's gone for him uh, oh. this season. However, however, he does have a few. He does have a few possible chances on the card, especially with a horse close to my heart, Young Sparkle. He also runs in the six o'clock, uh, six o'clock, seven furlongs. Gold Tack in the nine furlong handicap ran well last night. Probable favourite, believe it or believe it not, in the 8.35. And a horse that I like in the 9.05, a horse called Toggy P. I think that's how you pronounce it, Toggy P. Um, I think it is. It's in the 9.05. Got Hugh Bowman on it. Bowman did one of his typical, typical signature rides from an outside draw on it the last start. Unfortunately, he pounced too late got beat just over a length in fifth place. This time it's got the inside draw. I reckon it will run a very big race. So here's hoping there's a few winners that I've mentioned along the line. And then it's full steam ahead for the Grand National race. Well, thanks, Wally. Thanks for your selections for Saturday's meeting. Don't forget, it's a day earlier this weekend in Hong Kong. They start at 6 o'clock in the morning UK time on Saturday. And you can watch all of the Hong Kong action on Sky Sports Racing here in the UK. The Grand National itself is at 5.15 on Saturday afternoon, live on ITV1. So make sure you catch all of the action coming up this weekend. Well, that's all from us for today. We'll be back again next week as we take our usual look ahead to the weekend's racing action in the UK and Hong Kong. So please make sure that you join us then. Don't forget to visit the City AM website for all the latest news and horse racing tips. You can read what Wally Pyra thinks about the Hong Kong card and Bill Esdale's selections for all of Aintree on the City AM website. And you can follow the podcast on Apple Tunes, Spotify, Amazon Music and Stitcher to get the latest episodes as soon as they're released. 